I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin State's in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, September the 26th. Virginia has a game in Raleigh on Saturday, and Lord willing, uh, I will be there if this cold doesn't uh, end me first. Um, I'm going to apologize for the next, uh, what, um, 45 minutes or so that you guys have to listen to, or I guess I won't talk the whole time, but you know what I mean. Uh, my apologies for if I sound under the weather. Um Stupid colds are stupid. Uh, we're going to talk about Virginia's win over Louisville. We're going to talk about Virginia's upcoming matchup with the Wolfpack, uh, a football team that you know those of us who cover Virginia talk about Virginia, fans of Virginia, whatever, have not been able to talk about in six years, and it kind of worked out pretty well for the Cavaliers the last time they went down to Carter-Finley. Um, so we'll talk about that, and then I think fifth side of the ball, we're going to talk uh, we're going to bounce from Carter-Finley back to Scott Stadium and talk a little bit about ways to make that experience better. Uh, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. Up in Fishersville, David Spence is on the show. How are you, my friend? I'm doing Brad. Good. <laughs> I'm doing Brad, Brad. <laughs> doing good, good, Brad. It's been a busy week trying to figure out who owns the 757 now. Who days on the board at who days on Twitter. Hashtag this is home. Um, <laughs> up in Arlington, staff writer Justin Ferber is also on the show. How are you, my friend? I cannot believe that Dave just stole where I was going with that. Unbelievable. You guys just, should, should compare notes before the before we start the show. Yeah, we're the well, same I mean, I, sh- I mean, honestly, I should have expected it to be quite to be quite honest. I mean, come on, it was it was a pretty easy place to to go with it. Yeah, so I uh, I got nothing to add on that. Just a 500 yard routine performance from a backup quarterback at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter and Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for the in game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. What's funny about uh, what was really striking to me about Blake uh, Larusa was he was the quarterback, right? At um, wasn't he the quarterback at um, at uh, Bishop, Bishop Sullivan, Sullivan back yeah. in the day? And yeah, I used to write about him quite a bit in those uh, high school wrap up yeah. things that we used to do. Yeah, and then <laughs> yeah, and then it was like the ghost of Christmas past came <laughs> came roaring back Saturday night. Um, yeah, that was a heck of a uh, it was a heck of an evening. Um, I got to listen to it on the radio. Um, once I found a station, um, shouts to everybody who was helping me out. And then I don't know, man, like it, it didn't even occur to me that this thing could actually happen until I finally got it on TV. And I was like, Oh snap, they might actually lose. Yeah. Um, I tried to listen to it on the way home too. You know how hard it is to not find the Virginia tech game when you're driving home and don't want to listen to it. Right. Yeah. I was honestly trying to find it. I was honestly trying to find something more competitive when I was driving home back to Northern Virginia after the game. And I was trying to find like, you know, whatever the sec game was or whatever. Um, and I just, it was like the only game that could come in. And I was like, well, I guess I'll listen to this. It's probably a blowout. And lo and behold, it was not. Um, it was a very competitive game. I don't uh, think we've cool. ever, uh, we, I don't think we've ever on this podcast put together content that more Virginia fans agreed with than everything we literally just said. Because yeah, how many, uh, how many times have folks left the game and not wanted to listen to anything uh, else, and all they could find on that stupid radio dial was was a tech game with them rolling somebody. Well, yeah. well, also uh, we would like to welcome you to the uh, number one internet. Uh, podcast for ODU football. Um, going forward, we will talk nothing but monarchs um, until they play UVA next year. You're not supposed to make me laugh right now. If I start to laugh, I'll start to cough, and that's just really not good for the pod. Yeah. Hey, also Virginia played a game. Um, they, How they, they do? They they rolled Louisville just like I said they would on the radio with WINA's Jay James on Wednesday night. Just saying, just uh, want to take one more victory lap on that prognostication. So, Cavaliers come out and. I mean, yeah, I joke about them rolling them, but they kind of did. It, it, that game was ne- – I mean, I never really felt like Virginia wasn't going to win it. Um, Dave, 
in in terms of your takeaways, we 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 we've gotten to a groove lately where where we opened the show talking about you know some of the lessons and whatnot from the previous game. Uh, what were some of yours as you left Scott Stadium as a very happy man uh, on Saturday yeah. evening? Leaving was good. I mean, it was a good feeling, especially you know pretty much the last you know most of the fourth quarter, the game was wrapped up. So it's good to like laugh at when the team misses a pass or laugh at the success because you don't get that very much, uh, especially against ACC opponents. Um, but looking at the game as a whole, I, I felt at halftime, um, you know, going into the half, it was like, oh, my God, are, are they going to do this? They, they dominated that whole half. They're up 6 nothing, like one turnover, one big play from Louisville, and all of a sudden you're playing from behind. Um, so yeah, there was a little bit of, like, I wouldn't say nervousness because – Virginia was pretty much dominating the game other than, than on the scoreboard. But Virginia's also won game. You know, a couple of the wins they've gotten over the last couple of years have been games they kind of got dominated and took advantage of, of situations. So um, I was very happy to see the team come out of the locker room, deal with some adversity, make a huge goal line stand, and then and then show that, that culture change that Bronco kind of alludes to and, and, and mentions quite a bit. It's, you know, they, they took – took the game over at that point and never looked back, which is a sign of a maturing team. So that was the most rewarding thing for me. What about you, Ferber? When you left, I mean, obviously you, you write our uh, day after piece, so you, you got to air some of that then. In the, in the day since, what, what, when you left that night, what, what's, what's still stuck with you here a few days later? Yeah, I mean, I think kind of echoing what Dave just said, um, I think that, and Bronco mentioned this as well, that it was good to see them kind of get a lead and keep it um, throughout and win. I mean, we've seen them get leads, lose them, and then end up winning anyway. We've seen them come from behind and, you know, like uneven performances. This is something where, you know, you take away the goal line offense um, or the red zone offense, which really was goal line. I mean, all those situations, they were right there uh, on the precipice of scoring. They weren't really getting stopped at the 18-yard line or anything like that. Um, you know, if you clean that up a little bit, it's even more of a blowout. Um, but they didn't let those, you know, shortcomings going to open the door. And honestly, the only time Louisville really threatened in the whole game was after the pick. Um, you know, they had a chance to take the lead early in the second half. But I still feel like even if they had, I think UVA would have been able to kind of keep them in check just because Louisville's offense really, you know, didn't threaten all day long. Um, they just couldn't keep the ball. They, you know, they had a couple of drives where they would get 30 yards or so, but you know, they couldn't convert when they needed to on third down. And, um, their offense was just very, very clunky. Um, and you know, UVA came into the game favored by as many points as they were at kickoff for a reason. And I think that they, honestly, they just took care of a team that's not very good right now. Um, which was nice to see. They didn't, you know, like play down to that level or, think that they could just walk in there and win. Uh, they, they came out, took the game seriously. They clearly had uh, had scouted Louisville's offense pretty well. Um, they, they don't do a whole lot that's uh, confusing. Um, it's very straightforward. You know, They're just trying to make plays, get the ball to their receivers. And if you can keep them from doing that and keep your quarterback from running on you, then you got a chance to win. And obviously, besides that, the, the big takeaway for me was this Charles Snowden, you know, finally – kind of put it all together and had a big 60 minute game um, for the first time. I think he's, you know, he's shown flashes in the past, but this is the first time we've seen him be able to put it all together. And obviously if he can do this, you know, over the course of this season and the next two, then, then he's going to be a really special player. Yeah. Going to that. I thought that interception alone, if I know we texted about it in the thread, but 
if you guys haven't watched, you know, if anyone listening hasn't watched the um, watch the replay, of the interception, like that play is a microcosm of what we're talking about. Um, after it, Louisville intercepted it, you know, Bobby Haskins, who's filling in at left tackle because I guess Feeler was the one who got hurt and they were shuffling things around. Um, you know, Haskins hustles his butt off and makes the, uh, I can't remember the defender's name for Louisville, but makes Rod J. Smith. Make Smith have to break towards the sideline instead of just making a beeline up the hash to the end zone. And Haskins dive and doesn't get there, but he's, he makes them take a few extra steps and that allows Perkins to have a better angle. And Perkins stops him at the three. Otherwise, he walks in. Um, so what would have been a 7-6 game gave the defense a chance. And I think that that amount of hustle, you know, the good Virginia teams, you've seen that. Yeah, and we, we were uh, – sorry, Brad, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, we, you know, we've seen now two games where interceptions could have swung the thing and they didn't, right? The Richmond game early on, you know, that gets returned for a touchdown and UVA just ends up boat racing them anyway. And then this one, you know, they stop them on the goal line. And then not only did they stop them, they said, all right, now let's go do something on offense. And they went right down. Bryce hurdled the guy in the middle of the field and they end up scoring in their first touchdown of the game. And, you know, me, we were kind of looking at the numbers earlier and, UVA scored 130 points this year, 70 on sustained drives of 65 yards or longer. A few of those were just big plays, um, but a lot of them were just sustained drives. And I think that bodes well for the the consistency of the offense that we kind of talked about. And, and, you know, going into this year, not being so reliant on just hitting home runs and being able to just kind of single and double your way down the field. So I think that was a good thing that we saw from them in the second half as well. What's funny to me, <clears throat> is one you just made a baseball reference and I didn't hate it. Um, I, I, what what really stood out to me was if I had told you after uh, after the interception and then the tackle, well, Louisville didn't score there, so the game's over, right? You all would have thought I was crazy. Um, but that's that that play really. I I don't want to make too I don't want to make too big a deal out of it. Um, but it, it's it's not just a. Um, it's a, it's like a microcosm, right? Of you, you, you could have you could have easily. I mean, how many times did we see that last year, right? Where like they just weren't their dudes weren't out there ball, you know, like tr- you know, like giving everything they had to stop that. But that kind of play makes a big deal because then you know Redmond and I think it was Redmond and somebody on the first play from from the, on the goal line and then Zandier on the next two. Um, but I, I do. Th- I want to go back to Snowden's interception because I think that play really sort of speaks to maybe where this defense can go. Papinga says yesterday that basically, like in that position, like actually Charles was out. It wasn't where he was supposed to be. Like he, what he did on that play, he wasn't actually supposed to be doing, but he did it because his instincts told him to. His 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 innate sort of uh, playmaking ability just came through. Like there's just been too many times where this team has had guys who were pretty good. But who who typically just stuck to where they were supposed to be, you know what I'm saying, and just didn't make enough plays. Guys, DBs who weren't finding the ball or making plays on the ball, linebackers who and and, and defensive linemen either just missing sacks in in the open field or or just missing a tackle or maybe not stripping the ball or not or causing a a strip and not getting on top of it. And so like that kind of play is something that this team needs more of, not just because of what it meant for the game, but also too like what it means for the big picture. I thought going into it, we talked about it last week. I, I really thought Virginia was the team who had its stuff together. The Cavaliers had the better identity. They, they sort of had a much clearer sort of um, frame, if you will. 
And I, I felt like Louisville was a little bit of a mess. It's never a good look when you're an offensive team and you're a mess on offense. Um, but I, I, I think this weekend is a, is a very different sort of challenge and one that I'm actually sort of glad comes right after this other one because Louisville has really talented athletes. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that some of those players from Louisville would start for a host of ACC teams. The question is whether or not they're all kind of going in the same direction. And that's, you know, that's a huge deal, um, you know, as Bobby Petrino is, is certainly figuring out this year. Um, any yeah, any other thoughts? For, Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, yeah, those lines for Louisville, I've, I haven't seen many lines. And, you know, I sit pretty close and can see stuff pretty close. I, very few offensive lines that have rolled through Scott Stadium have had two tackles the size of Louisville's. Um, and then their nose, you know, they're, they're one of their defensive tackles is an absolute man child. So that dude it, is the biggest person I've ever seen. I mean, it was like almost comical seeing him lined up against, you know, against Dylan Rankersmeyer, who's, who's a big dude, too. I mean, that guy covered him up. You know, that guy covered two gaps just lining up. <laughs> um, but he also, but he didn't move around a lot. Like Ferber no. and I watched him a couple <laughs> times on specific plays. He just plays. stood there. He just, and, and, and like, what's I mean, funny is that he didn't have to. He's blockers, yeah. So, you know, um, and you're right. You know, we had, the thing we had talked about coming out of the Ohio game was how easy Ohio made it look um, to score against the offense, you know, against our defense just running up the middle. So it was encouraging to see this time against a better team, uh, even though the offense might be difficult from three yards in, it's it's man on man go forward and the defense rose up. So at that point, yeah, I, I was pretty happy. And to see Mandy and, and Zane kind of t- t- you know, team up to make the second and third down stops together. That was good stuff. Uh, anything else on the ZZ Louisville game? <laughs> you and the ZZ stop. Uh, anything else to, on the Louisville game before we uh, we move on to NC State? We switch kickers. <laughs> That's true. The The Cavaliers finally make the desert decision to make the move. That It's funny because every, usually most of the time, right, the backup quarterback is the most popular person in the stadium. Virginia's backup kicker continued to be, at least until that moment, the, the most uh, popular person. I, I think he waited too long. I, I would have liked to have seen Pearson kick uh, before this past Saturday, but I, I was I was glad to see him come out and make a couple, um, win the job, be the guy on the depth chart going forward. Um, I don't know, though, how much it changes the calculus for Bronco uh, in in those decisions. Um, I still think you're, you're probably going to see them more often than not, um, unless it's a closer one. Um, continue to sort of go forward on fourth and short. Do you, do you guys feel comfortable with Pearson at this point, Ferber? I mean, not really much more than Mejia. I've just seen Mejia fail, and I haven't seen Pearson fail yet, so it's just hard to say. I mean, it was clear that it just – it was kind of like when a pitcher doesn't have it, sometimes you just got to go with the other guy. Um, I know another baseball reference. Sorry about that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, I think the, the field goal he missed against Louisville was – you know, this, the hold wasn't great or something, but I mean, he missed it. It was very short. So, I mean, you got to make a change at some point. And Pearson didn't do anything in that game to make me think he's going to be, you know, Adam Vinatieri. But, you know, he made his two short field goals, which is more than you can say for the other kicker. So, yeah. And, you know, um, Mejia watched it warm up. He was hitting from 45 in warm ups. He, he's just, and clearly he's doing well in practice. Bronco alluded to it. He won the. Yeah. Won the- I- I just think he's a guy who maybe he's, you know, got the yips when when games. Yeah, I think I think that's. I was thinking the same thing when they were saying that he kept winning the job in practice. I'm like, yeah, sometimes it's like, 
you got to go out there and do it between the lines in the on the game day. You know, it's yeah, it's not always but, the same thing. But when you you know, I know it's just a place kicker battle. But when the, when the team is clearly paying attention to that because the way they do it, you know, getting them all to create noise and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I can understand still leaning to Mejia, even though you've got reservations, just because you you know you, you got to think bigger picture. Yeah. I mean, if he's outkicking him in practice, yeah. you don't want to send the message of, like, we're just going to give him the quick hook because yeah. he's, you know, had a couple bad. I mean, he was only one for three or whatever. It wasn't, like, a huge sample size. But you get to one for four, and it was another short one. Yeah. Just like so. the one against Ohio was short. Right. Yeah. You know, you're starting to get, a you know, a body of work. And last year he wasn't really – yeah, I don't re- remember exactly what his percentages were. But you know he can't hit the long ones really. So it's like what's the – he should be automatic on the short ones if he's playing. And if he's not making those, then you got to make a change. Pearson cracks me up though. He has the slowest like approach, like the most nonchalant approach to the ball, and then boom. <laughs> so. Yeah, he's going to be a good one. I'm, I'm interested to see uh, how he performs the rest of the year. Uh, before we move forward, let's take our first break. The Caps Corner Podcast, as always, is brought to you tonight by Ask Landis, which is a company based in Charlottesville that specializes in helping you downsize and declutter. Uh, having served Central Virginia for the past decade, Ask Landis and owner Stephen Landis and Brandon Lloyd have been helping folks all over the region clear things out from their homes and businesses, as, pro- as well as providing a turnkey solution for those who need a little help moving from point A to point B. I- I've mentioned before that um, you know when I helped my grandmother move out of her home and into a, an assisted living facility we we really could have used um steven and, and brandon's service at that point so if you're somebody like that maybe you're cleaning out your house or maybe you're getting ready to put it on the market maybe you're got a basement or something that you haven't uh, cleaned out in a long time and you really need to go ahead and get on that um feel free to give them a call they can definitely help you out free consultation 434-249-8383 or you can visit asklanus.com uh for more right now uh, our thanks again to Ask Landis for their support of the show and all of CavsCorner.com. So NC State's pretty good. Um, Ryan Finley's pretty good. Um, I was looking at the numbers today, and 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 I'm not sure how much uh, to take from it, um, but it's certainly not like one of those little hole in the wall stats, you know, like those little those little nuggets that you find and that that don't really mean much. But we all sort of assume, right, that UEA has to get pressure on on Finley. He's he's arguably the best quarterback they're going to face this year, um, in my opinion, at least. Um, but their numbers when he's pressured versus when he's not pressured are really not that dramatically different. For UVA, it's like forty point difference between pressure uh, for not pressure to pr- to pressure. His number is different; is like ten, um, and it's even it's even closer when, between blitzed and and not blitzed. It's it it, it doesn't seem like pressure seems to matter much to him doesn't seem to slow him down and I said look Virginia's got to figure out a way to make these guys run um Dave as you look at this game what do you feel like is is sort of a big key to it as you sort of grapple with how Virginia can win this game what what are your what are your sort of thoughts on NC State and and am I do you, do you agree with me that like Virginia has to figure out a way to make the Wolfpack run yeah I, I do to some extent um to me, you know, I took quite a big look at NC State today and watched, watched as much highlight stuff as I could and watched most of the game against JMU. Um, they're, they're good. You're right. They're, they're not flashy. They don't have any you – know, unless I missed a guy who was out for that, that game, they don't have anyone like a OZ who's going to just scare you to the point that you need to double them. But everyone on their you – know, they, they like to go forward wide often, almost every play. Um, and all four of the wide receivers are very are good. They're, yeah, you get a feeling speedsters. like they can. They're not all speedsters, yeah. but they can they can make it a house call. You know what I mean? Yeah, and they can because 
you know, there's four of them and they're, they're going to spread you out. So they're going to get one-on-ones and they, they run their route patterns are pretty complex. Um, so they're a very solid team. They almost remind me of like the Boston college, Matt Ryan teams. Um, no one on the team scares you, but when you add it with a quarterback, who's that, who's that accurate, um, and an offensive line that blocks pass blocks that well, they're a tough team to beat. So for me, I mean, not to simplify the game, but Virginia needs to get an extra possession or two, um, preferably, you know, forcing a turnover and, you know, not turning the ball over themselves. So I find it hard to see any way Virginia could beat that team without forcing, you know, if it's a even turnover game, um, maybe I'm giving NC state too much credit. That's just what I see from watching them. Um, yeah, I do think forcing them to run would be great. Uh, but I just don't think they're a team that wants to run. So, you know, they they t- they tend to like throwing the little the little bubble screens and and quick outs to the wide receivers more than than running the ball until they get in the red zone. Then they will hand it off. Um, they're not a great running team, but yeah, I, I don't. I think it's a it's going to be a frustrate. My guess is it'll be a frustrating game to watch as a, as a fan of Virginia because I think you almost have to let them dink and dunk um, and hope they can't put you know, two or three of those together um, versus, you know, kind of gambling. And because if you gamble and don't cover someone, Finley's going to find them. Um, and he's, unless you really get pressure on him, just getting them to roll a little bit isn't going to help. You need, you need to get there. So, um, yeah, Virginia being able to get there with, you know, the three defensive linemen and, and the outside backers will be huge. Um, I expect us to be a nickel a lot of the game. So it's a tough matchup. Um, even at home, that would be a tough matchup. The thing that I'm the thing that I'm thinking about, Ferber, and you 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 tell me what you think here. The more I think about Virginia and the way that that I want to say Bronco, but he's not really calling the defense this year. So Nick Howell or Bronco's defense or whatever. The, but the way that Virginia typically creates any sort of pass rush is from specific blitz packages, right? Um, in this kind of game, I almost wonder if that will backfire because. Like Dave said, if you leave somebody, they're going to find that hole. Um, how do you? What do you think Virginia should do in terms of handling both the sides of the offensive and experience of this this NC State offensive line, but also the the ability of Finley to sort of spray the ball where it needs to go and his compo. I mean, he's in watching him. I mean, he's a he's a very composed sort of quarterback. He's he doesn't seem to get rattled very much, um, and he and he seems to be able to make you know, whatever throw he needs to make. How do, how do you think Virginia should approach uh, the the blitz or no blitz conundrum here? That's a great question. Um, Thanks. And, Bron- and Broncos' defenses have been built a lot on creating pressure. Um, so I don't think that you can completely go away from that. But like you said, you're right. I mean, most of their – not all their blitzes, but a lot of them come from exotic looks, um, a lot of stuff from the corners, some of the stuff from the safeties – uh, pre-snap, you know, guys like uh, Chris Peace kind of talked about it the other day. They'll they'll rotate the outside backers and do all kinds of stuff like that. Um, you know, run some misdirection type action up front with the linemen and then try to get some inside backers through the holes. Um, I don't know if you can afford to be that aggressive against Finley at times because, and you'll see in the preview later this week, but one of the keys to the game I have is, is pretty much Dave nailed it, is just don't let them beat you over the top and try to make them work their way down the field. And the reason I say that is just because I think that that increases your trans- chances of getting a stop, right? I mean, 
uh, UVA has been susceptible susceptible wow um, to the deep ball this time or this year uh, at times. Uh, you know, I don't want to say like really deep ball, but I mean, they gave up some semi deep throws to Indiana and a bunch of them to Ohio, a couple of them for touchdowns. So, uh, Louisville really wasn't able to exploit that, but they didn't really try. I mean, I don't remember them really taking any shots down the field, but, uh, NC state likes to do that and they do it successfully. So, I mean, you have to kind of make sure that you're not leaving guys uncovered, obviously, because he will find them. Uh, it's kind of a, a risk analysis type thing, and I know Bronco probably loves that kind of stuff because he's into that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, would you rather just leave guys open underneath and, and take your chances with the blitz and, and, you know, maybe have to give up a couple of chunk plays? Or would you rather, you know, sit back and then wait for somebody to get open, uh, perhaps, you know, deep down the field? So it's kind of a, you know, a, a tough assignment. Um, I'll be interested to see, you know, it, it – I would want my best cover guys out there covering a lot. So I don't think I'd be blitzing Bryce Hall a lot off the edge like they like to do. Um, you know, I would maybe try to find a way to get Robert Snyder after the quarterback. You know, if, if you don't feel like he's one of your stronger cover guys, you know, use him as a blitzer. Um, you know, he can go. That's an easy thing. Go get the quarterback. And it's not easy to accomplish, but it's easy to, you know, from a scheme perspective for him. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to see how he does it. Uh, the outside linebackers are going to have to be excellent in this game i think for uva to have a chance to win because they're going to have to create some sacks and some pressure and then no hopefully doubt. maybe force a few turnovers yeah because that's that's exactly where i was because all right today's point about the nickel and i think this is actually the fact that you're not going to have j mac right so you already are dealing with an injury hole right well you can leave zandir in there use your two outside backers throw an extra because if you think about it one of the strengths of this team we talked about in the preseason was they the secondary right the defensive backs like they've got a bunch of them well now this is the game where they have to they have to really show up like i understand you know here and there whatever whatever this is the game where you can put them all in the field and you're gonna and you you got to expect them to play well you know they got to tackle well they got to be on their spots they you know um for the record again i just want to say do not listen to announcers when they tell you that a db has to turn to find the ball if he's beat he can't turn to find the ball he's beat he has to get the man because he's not going to get the ball. The ball's already in front of him. Um, but they can't have those, right? They gotta. They gotta. The coverage has to be t- has to be solid, and because this dude will make you pay. Like to that to to Ferber's point too about you know the outside backers. You're gonna have to get that pressure without sending a whole bunch of nonsense. I, I really believe you're gonna have to get the pressure straight. Now, one thing about what I've seen so far from the young kids on the defensive line is they've been pretty good at like getting back there. Um, more so than I expected, certainly, and but but at a much higher and more consistent clip um, than I think anybody would have would have thought. Um, so this is going to be an interesting challenge, just because of the experience that that State has, and and certainly, um, you know, with burning out, it's certainly a detour that you wouldn't want to take in terms of the development of some of these kids. But at the same time, like they've been playing pretty well, and you look at the numbers and the grades and stuff. I mean, I'm not saying Falmui has carried the number of snaps that 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 you know Eli or even Bernie when he was healthy um or, or Redmond have even been taken but I mean this is going to be a game where the, all all of those guys have to really step up and and I don't want to make it seem like Virginia like I think Virginia has to play a perfect game I don't think that but I do think defensively they have to um they have to play even better than they did last week and that was their best complete game on the other side of the ball offense has to score points man like you're gonna have to make hey when you have the opportunity like you 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 can't turn the ball over you can't have wasted opportunities in the red zone you got to cash in dave on the offense what 
what do you feel like the Cavaliers have to do? And then I want you to segue that into giving us your prediction. Yeah, one last thing on the defense. I mean, I think this particular game would be like Chris Moore is going to be missed a lot. Like the versatility he could bring you, um, especially with Mac out. I mean, he might be a starting inside linebacker if he was healthy. Yeah, and and with him starting inside linebacker, you're so versatile. Um, but But I do think you'll see some, unlike what we've seen this year where our nickel package is two down linemen, I think you'll see some three down linemen looks in the nickel and they'll probably switch it out when it's third and way long and go to the two. But um, when you talk about NC state's defense, I I don't want to say they're bad, but there there's nothing like their defense is good enough to win in combination with their offense. But I haven't so far this season seen enough from their defense to think, Hey, they can shut down Virginia. If, you know, if, if Bryce is, is playing a good game. Um, JMU's quarterback exploited them on the ground. Uh, JMU's quarterback moved the ball pretty well. Marshall scored points on them. They like to let their front four get pressure, and they like to keep two backers in just about regardless of the call, uh, of the of the down and distance. Um, you know, their back seven was kind of their weakness last year. Their back seven's a little bit better, but their front four isn't as good. Um, but they still play kind of vanilla and let you make mistakes because they do trust their their offense to score. Um, I I would not be shocked if this game ends up turning into being the old Philip Rivers Matt Shaw, you know, slugfest because I can see Virginia putting up some points against these guys. Um, did you say segue into predictions? That would that what you said. Yes, I, I would like you to, to talk about it. Okay. What I was thinking is that you wouldn't ask it like that. I would think you were saying like, you would say something like, yeah, and Virginia's offense is a big reason why I think the Cavaliers <laughs> will be in this game. So what I expect is blah, blah, blah. But no, you didn't. You went that route. You went the whole other thing, and that's okay. So now, you know, it's great radio. Well, well, you could have just said yes, and I could have kept going. That that's way. true, but it was more fun to rip you apart. It was kind of, that was, that was fun for me. So in the preseason, uh, but, Dave, yeah. here, I'll save you. In the preseason, Dave, you had Virginia losing this game 20, Lord have mercy, Brad. 17. 27 to is that 17? 17. Okay, 20. If you lose them by 10, do you still feel like that's it's that big a margin, or do you think it's a little tighter than that? Uh, I'm so torn, man. The fan of me after look, JMU should have tied those guys. JMU decided to kick a field goal from the two yard line on fourth and goal with six minutes left with a chance to tie the game. Um, so there's a the fan in me wants to say, hey. Maybe Virginia's got a chance, but um, you know, with the injuries on defense, and look, it's a long game, and I think you are going to have to, if the defense is playing well, NC State's going to have to slowly move the ball down the field, which means the depth is going to be pushed. Um, so I have a hard time seeing, just because of the injuries, I, I think NC State's going to be able to score more against us than we can score against them. But I, I still see us putting up points. I'm going to bump up. I'm gonna still pick NC State to to win. Um, I'm gonna push them up to 30, uh, 34 points, but I'm I'm gonna push Virginia to twenty eight. And God, that means Virginia doesn't cover, and that's kind of hard because it's they're the last team not <laughs> you know, to for undefeated against the spread. So um, 34-28 NC State in a game that kills Terrence. <laughs> 
Terrence is a, a friend of ours who who goes to Dave's tailgate. Uh, and I, I don't does Terrence listen to our podcast? If not, he totally uh, should. Sometimes you should yeah. tell him now that he has a shout out. Hi, hi, Terrence. I'm sorry, Dave uh, picked. He hates NC State with the passion of twelve sons. It's incredible. I guess you'll find out if he listened on. Uh, that's guess, true. Well, next next tailgate. Yeah, that's true. Next tailgate. Nobody say anything to him, and then we just come up and be like, "Hey, how how you doing, Terrence?" Uh, Ferber, in the po- in the preseason, you had State win this game. Oh my God, I don't know what to guess. Thirty five twenty one, maybe. Uh, I think you thought they were going to get blasted. What uh, what say you now? Yeah, I mean, I uh, in looking at them this week, I, maybe it was just because of the coming off of Louisville and they just looked like a disaster coming in, and they ended up being one. Um, NC State, I don't want to overstate this, but they're one of the most solid teams that I've like looked at for the purposes of writing previews for this site, right? So I've done this for five years or whatever it is, six. Um, they're not the best team. They're probably not in the top, I don't know, 10 of right. best teams. Right. But they're but they're much less susceptible, I think, to just a, just a complete disaster of a game than some of those other teams would have been. Um, yeah, I mean, Finley is, is very accurate, and uh, I think he's probably going to be a pro. Um, maybe not like a starter, but I think he'll he'll play in the NFL. Um, and the receivers, like Dave said, Harmon and Myers and Thomas, those guys are all good. They have the tight end uh, Angeline or whatever his name is that UVA actually tried Carrie to Angeline, from yeah. US, yeah, from USC. So he's he's a player. Um, defensively, like Dave said, uh, you know, some more question marks, but they really haven't. Um, had like a really terrible performance. I mean, they have given up some points here and there, but they only gave up one touchdown a week ago. Um, so I, I think that though they're young up front, that you know their secondary is pretty solid. So UVA is probably going to have to run the ball. Uh, I think Bryce is probably going to have to have his best game. Um, maybe not statistically, but I think he'll have to be sharp throwing the ball, and I think he's going to have to pick up some stuff on the ground. Um, you know, they did a pretty good job last week against Marshall, uh, held them to 54 yards on 22 attempts on the ground. So UVA will obviously have to be much better than that. So, And they've shown that they can run the ball, so I think that they could be. Um, and obviously special teams will have to be solid again, and then they're going to have to do something on defense to create a turnover or two. Um, I think this is a game that NC State will win. I look at this more of an op- as an opportunity for UVA to, to kind of like jump up a notch in terms of you know how good we think they can be and how competitive they might be. Um, but I don't necessarily look at it as like a huge game for them or something like that, where it's like their whole season's hanging in the balance. This will just be a good measuring stick against a really good team that could end up winning like nine games this year. Um, I think NC State wins 35 to 24 in a game that's pretty close for about two and a half quarters, and then NC State kind of pulls away in the second half. You know, Ferber made a really good point in there, and it's really good because I'm going to agree with it. Uh, the idea that just NC State being solid, you know, what's funny is that, like if you had put if you put this team with all of the particulars in a different jersey, I think a lot of us uh, because maybe from afar because look Virginia hasn't played NC State, I, I haven't worried about NC State, I haven't, like paid attention to NC State football, but, but, so the times that I do are just the times when it bubbles up and like there's some kind of craziness, right? Some NC State stuff, right? Um, and so I, it's funny because if you told me that that team was you know whatever i probably would say man they're, they're pretty good so i don't want to like like miami for yeah example. yeah yeah exactly like if miami was this solid i'd be very impressed um con- con- they're just so consistent I, I, the one caveat that i'll say is that like without having um played that west virginia game it's really hard for me to get a real gauge on because i mean look finley has been very good um 
the you know Harmon and and my, they've been really good. The offensive line good. Haven't run much. Have needed to. Don't really want to. Would much rather have Finley. You know, uh, distributing. Uh, defense hasn't. You know, I, I just feel like if I had that West Virginia game, I would be much better prepared for this test. Um, and as such, I, I, it's more of a guess than it than it is more of a um, you know a kind of a, a thought driven or data driven prognostication. I, I feel like NC State will win the game. I feel like Virginia can keep it close. I feel like Finley's just too good. He puts too much pressure on you. Um, even though I do think that Virginia can can utilize its defensive backs uh, and its you know the, the strength in the secondary and, and maybe give him some problems, um, I do think that um, that eventually he he's just gonna make he's gonna make too many plays and um, I, I just don't know if I've seen enough. The offense has been very good for Virginia through the first four games. I don't want to make I, I don't want to make it seem like I, I think otherwise. I just worry can they be consistent enough. Um, if the other team's not hurting himself, you know, because like what a, a lot of what Louisville did was, you know, like that that touchdown pass to Joe Reed, it was pretty and it was a nice read, uh, no pun intended, but it was it was one of those like completely avoidable things from the Louisville side, right? It's just a just a decision that defied logic. So I just feel like NC State's not going to go out there and hurt itself. Virginia's going to have to go make plays. Can the Cavaliers win? Yeah. Are they, do I do I think they will? Probably not. In the preseason, I had. Uh, NC State winning at 27-21. I'm going to stick with that. I think that, that six, seven points feels about right um, if Virginia beats the spread, which I think the last time I looked was five and a half. I'm not sure what it is at the actual moment that I speak. but About um, the same. Yeah. So it, that feels somewhere in the ballpark. Um, and I feel like it'll be a uh, it'll be an entertaining game. And certainly because of the environment, sold-out crowd, Carter Finley gets rowdy, um, should be a lot of fun and a good test uh, for the Cavaliers in a season, I think that's gonna um, that's still gonna go their way um, by and large. Um, before we move on to the fifth side, I want to take our last break and, and talk to you about Second String Sports at Stewart's Draft. Uh, Second String is all about offering you new and, and quality used sports equipment. So if you play baseball, softball, football, soccer, you have a kid who plays those sports, Second String has the gear that you will need. Uh, newest bats and gloves from DiMarini, Louisville Slugger, Easton Rawlings, Wilson, Evo Shield—they're all on the shelves and ready to go home with you today. Um, so maybe. Uh, maybe you got some. Uh, maybe one of your kids is, is getting ready to play a sport, and they don't have this stuff. Or maybe you you have some stuff that you played before, and they're done with that. Like you know, I'm not. I'm done with the baseball. I'm done. Like you you want to take that stuff in. You can get a um, a credit for your next purchase. Uh, you can check out what Second String has to offer at their store at their store just outside Waynesboro, twenty six twenty seven Stores Draft Highway. Or you can go to their website right now. That's secondstringsports.com, and that's second with a two. First string quality, first string service, second string sports. Our thanks again to Second String for their support of the show and all of CavsCorner.com. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna make Scott Stadium great again. Was the joke, right? We're gonna the I don't know which one of you is responsible for putting me out on that limb, but I just you know jumped off of it. Um, Virginia has, I think, a nice environment for games. Obviously, fan support in the in the latter part of the London tenure wane for obvious reasons still hasn't gotten you know anywhere close to the height of what it was during that time frame um, under Bronco Mendenhall a lot of that has to do with the product on the field we're not going to you know we're not going to pretend otherwise um, but our fifth side of the ball topic tonight is basically what can what can Carl Williams and the administration at UVA do to make Scott Stadium the experience for fans who are actually there great um, I want to open it up for Dave because as the one of the three of us who actually sits in those stands, um, I, I would like to hear from him before Ferber and I tell him why he's right or wrong. Dave, what do you think that the, the administration needs to do at Scott Stadium to improve that fan experience? Not a damn thing. Wow. <laughs> no, really? No, no um, 
look, it, it could be better. They, but I want to I want to start this, and when when I knew this topic was coming up, you know, as a dad of two young kids and you know a wife who's a hokey, we've discussed all that. There are very few stadiums that are as family friendly as Scott Stadium. Like, don't I, I know people complain about the the security checks. Well, guess what? That Virginia Tech put that clear back policy in a long time before UVA did. And yeah, those policies are across the board. Every place I've been is pretty much yeah. the same. I mean, UVA is one of the last people to adopt that. Virginia Tech had the scanners a long time before Virginia did. Um, so uh, it boils down to the product on the field, not not to blow up the whole conversation but um it is the stadium as a whole the way it's designed the amount of places you can be outside of your seat and still see the action on the field there are very few stadiums in the country that offer you that if if your kid gets acting up at, at lane stadium and your kid who you paid full price ticket for by the way gets acting up and you don't have a stroller because they won't allow them you have to go underneath the stadium you can't see the game anymore you know, in Virginia, you, you put them in the stroller, you can roll them around the upper deck out of the end zone and watch the game, or you can go up on the top of the hill. So there's a lot of good stuff there. So, you know, I, I don't want to be like, oh, it's it's terrible. And I know a lot of people have complained about the lines at security. Well, as a guy who you guys knows, like very few people beat me to my tailgate spot, you know, across the entire spectrum of all tailgate spots at UVA. And I still I get to the game 30 to 40 minutes before kickoff. Guess what? There's no line 30 or 40 minutes before kickoff. So the people complaining are the ones who try to sneak in five minutes before kickoff. So I, I, I understand they, they don't like that they have to wait and go through a scanner and take out their metal things. But that's just the world we live in now. Come a little early, you know, show up a little early. But all that goes back to the product on the field. Now, as far as in-state, in in stadium items, um, the concession still has still has lines. If if you're a pro like me who's been a lot, you know which you know you can get away from the big concessions if you're just looking for a drink. Um, but they do they have added some food options on the top of the hill this year. For me, sitting on the exact opposite side of the stands, that doesn't add much. Um, so I don't know. I mean, the one thing I don't like looking at them on TV, which is like. I'm guessing and attendance is what kind of spurred this topic. Um, it was a good crowd. Like it might have been thirty, what thirty-four thousand, I think is what what it was. And we've we've said this before. Like the thirty-four thousand that were there were into the game and were excited and loud. So um, I'm fine with that. Like I don't know what else Carly can do. The tickets could not be any cheaper. At some point, you start losing money, you know, because it's going to cost you more for the staff. It, it takes to to deal with those amount of people. So I, I don't know. I, I hate to ruin the topic, but look, it, it could be better, but it's so much better than some of the alternatives out there. Um, if Virginia was, you know, competing for the coastal this year and they, you know, there's potential they could be at the end of the year with the way the coastal looks, I guarantee you people won't be complaining as much. The thing, the thing that I find interesting here is we gave the fan of the show the chance to basically write his own ticket and imp- improve the stadium, and he basically like meandered about and then punted. Um, well, you got. <laughs> I mean, they don't, they don't need to worry about Dave. I mean, that's true. Dave's already there Dave every sits week. Sits through the rain when they're getting destroyed. So yeah, yeah. yeah but you didn't sit. You didn't. Yeah, I was going to. <laughs> we're not talking <laughs> about that. Um, all right, Ferber. Before I, before you go, here's my thing. 
you can always make it better by um, making things more efficient, right? So whatever you can do to make the lines shorter, to make the options better, to you know, you're not maybe you're not going to make things cheaper um, to make them more plentiful. I do like the options at the top of the hill, but that doesn't really help what half the stadium because if you're on that half of the the field. Right. You're not going to walk all the way around. It, it's funny to me that they put like I know a lot of people sit on the hill, but a lot more people will sit actually in the end zone, you know, where there are seats. Um, but more options like that, I think, too, like if you uh, if you did seat backs, uh, I know that that might take the um, the capacity down a little bit. Right. But I think that would be a nice step in the right direction. Um, drink That's holders, a good idea, Brad, that so. kind of things. Um, anything to modernize it. Right. Now I understand that in Virginia fans really do like the idea of of nostalgia, like the history is a, is an important piece. And so, you know, when I was a kid, I remember my seats. You know, they were what they were. They they are the same today as they were then, right? And people, so a lot of people like that. So I'm not I'm not saying make changes. Uh, I'm not saying do it lightly, but at the same time, like you want to do what you can to make it more convenient for people, because ultimately, what you're fighting is not just um, prices and not just like you know access. It's also it's everything. It's the entire experience. So I think Carl is and you know obviously she probably just, she probably doesn't need our uh, our opinions and uh, musings, but she she she's because she's I think they're doing a good job of, of making those taking those steps in the right direction. Uh, Ferber, how would you what would you do? What would you do you do to make Scott Stadium great again? Yeah, I don't. I didn't necessarily when we were talking about the topic. I didn't necessarily mean like blow it up um, from like a. You know, like the way they present the game standpoint or anything like that. Honestly, I agree with what Dave said. I think the stadium is some of the best sight lines. Um, some it just looks better. Um, the hill area is cool to have. Like Dave said, uh, the vantage point thing is very true, and I never really thought about it, but that's how modern baseball stadiums are built. Uh, they're judged on a lot of times how much of the field you can see from open areas, right? So like the newer stadiums like Nats Park and other ones like that, you know, they have these big open outfields where it's like you can see the whole stadium and wander around and get your beer or whatever. Um, so I think that that's, that's a cool thing that Scott Stadium has that not every other stadium has. Um, you know, as far as I like the seat back idea, um, you know, the one thing that I think needs to improve, obviously the play on the field, if the play on the, if they're like ranked 10th, and they're playing a night game against Miami, um, I think people will show up. I mean, but at the same time, you know, it's not like, I don't think that all those people are driven away necessarily by like the experience of the lines and all that stuff, because I don't see people showing up and then like not coming back the next week. It's like, they're just not coming at all. But I think that one thing that would be really helpful is to find a way, I don't know how you do it, but find a way to get the students more involved because when they show up, it brings up the energy level in the crowd. Um, that section, you know, when it's packed and loud, it makes the stadium more more energetic. And, and when they're not there, you can feel that, um, especially in the second half of games. If, you know, UV is down like 14 and they leave, um, you can feel some of that energy go away. So, I mean, I think that if they could find a way to get more of them in the game, I think that that would be good. Um, I would sell alcohol in designated areas, um, maybe not in the entire stadium, but maybe in the upper deck um, or something in the end zone uh, where no one really is right now because, you know, that's you, a good you, section. 
you could use that area as like, hey, if you still want to keep the family friendly atmosphere and all that stuff, and I think you should because you want to have as many. I mean, that's that's why I'm on this podcast right now. You know, my my parents took me to a game when I was like six or seven years old, and and I was in ever since. So it was kind of like that's that's how I got into it. So I don't think you should lose that, but I do think that. I mean, what was the game? Twelve thirty. I walked out of the press box at like twelve fifteen, um, just to like get outside for a second, and. I, you know, we can see the West parking lot. So some of the very like close to the stadium parking, right? And all, a lot of those people are tailgating. So I'm looking down at the lines to get in the stadium and they're pretty long, probably like, you know, a hundred people in each line or whatever. Um, but there's still, I'd say half of the lot at minimum is still tailgating and not just like still at their cars, like still has their stuff out like the tables and the food and all that good stuff. And I love tailgating as much as the next person. But, I mean, at 10 minutes before kickoff, you got to get in there because, like, your line, the line's going to be long. And also it's you're killing the atmosphere of the stadium at kickoff, you know, by not being in there on time. So I think if they can find a way to get those people in, and if maybe that is alcohol, like, you know, you, you bring them in and, and, and they can deal with that situation at in the stadium instead of having to like you know let's pound out one more beer before we go in and i totally i, I empathize with that um especially considering how some of the games have gone over the last few years but i mean i think that that's the way that things are going and, and they don't have to compete with necessarily like the fantasy football element because that's more of an nfl problem uh where fans just want to watch all the games but if they could find you know like this is a very expensive idea, but like if you could have some kind of like a lounge area in the stadium where you could like watch other games or something, I don't know. Um, those are just ideas to, you know, just get the ball rolling. Not yeah. A, not a bad set. Yeah. I'm interested. Um, the one thing we didn't say, and, and I, the one thing I do think they could actually seatbacks would be great. Like that, that would be great. If you lose five, you know, a thousand seats, whatever it is, who cares? Um, put them in the lower deck, make everyone who's, you know, who's got a season ticket happy um, more, you know, as far as what it looks like on TV, you know, closing off certain sections and putting people where the TV cameras are, you know, that helps. But at this point, if you watch any game, very few stadiums are full. The stadiums that are full are that 10 to 15 teams who are good every year. Um, and then the teams with the built in cultures. Like yeah. The or, or the, of the world and the, right. And and even that, Tennessee right now, you can get free tickets. I mean, like if your team sucks, you're not going. So. Well, not just that, but then also think about too, like how many people live in Charlottesville, right? There are a lot of yeah, people yeah. live in the Triangle that can get to NC State this weekend, you know. But yeah, but then and they again, have no. But then again, they have no issue getting their students to come out. Like they're not, yeah. they're going to be there in mass. Like they're not going to have an issue with that. Yeah. So exactly. UVA has a problem with that, well, and that, that is part of what's drove the attendance numbers down, because they, they are giving real numbers, and it's like that's I mean that's why it was so much lower this week. Yeah, and and you brought the. That wasn't what my one point I was going to make, but you brought that up, and I want to touch on that too. Like, why they don't tie in? Like, they have a card. They the students have a card. They're scanning, right? They come into the games. Like, all it's it their takes idea, is Carla. Yeah, yeah. All Carla say, all Carla or they, you know, anyone else has to do is say, hey, you have to come to five games and scan in, and we're going to scan you out. And if you scan out for halftime, you don't get credit. Um, but you got to do five games to be able to qualify to walk into JPJ. Yeah, I was going to say just tie it to the basketball team. Yeah, I mean, take advantage of what you have. Like, that's not that's not terrible. Like, or maybe you, know, maybe you can't make it five. Maybe that's a little tough. But even if you make it three, and so half you know student body shows up to three, and the other half shows up to three, that's much better than what we saw. Although I will say, I don't know if you guys paid attention, but the student section was actually like doing coordinated cheers this week. Um, 
which I haven't seen in a while. So that, that yeah, is encouraging. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really notice that. But Yeah, they they were, which was, was encouraging. Um, I mean, to be quite yeah, honest, I mean, like, I'm, I'm lucky if I notice the stuff on the field, bro. Uh, they, they, always, <laughs> they always turn out really well for the opener, I notice. And then yeah. it's like after that, it's just completely based on – like and the, another thing is like the opponents. UVA is the Coastal Division right now. It's like it's hard for people to – like if you're a UVA freshman for first year, sorry, uh, from New Jersey – you know, and you don't really care about UVA football yet, and you don't really know much about it. And they're playing Duke. Like you're probably you're trying not to get, get you're like trying to get that Louisville game. About. No, if yeah, you're from New like, Jersey, you probably tried to go to Duke too. So, well, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. You're probably a Duke basketball. Fan. Yeah. But the one thing I want to get in before we finish, the one thing that they need to do, they've got to do something with the the sound system, the audio. The yeah. I cannot. I can sit in the end zone and not hear. Like I, I know what's going on. But I shouldn't have to like hope it's quiet so I can hear the announcer. Like yeah, the jumbo different for us in the press box is we have like an in press box announcer, so we can't really hear what's yeah. going on. But I've heard a lot of people complain about it. Yeah, it's terrible. You, you can't hear what they're saying unless the stadium's completely quiet. And look, where where the score where the jumbotron sits, it doesn't block any of the like the architectural interest of Scott Stadium. There's no reason for that thing not to be tripled in size. And if you want to have live highlights of a game in the corner on commercial breaks, do it. Or you know, or just have constant scoreboards improve. Like Crutchville is just one of the sponsors. I shouldn't be hearing terrible sound. Yeah, that's um, fair. That's very fair. And I, and I think that the uh, the move of the Richmond game to six p.m. was smart. Yeah, it was. I agree. Yeah, and that's something that people ask this question a lot. UVA does have some say in that when it's not on TV. Right. If it's I think a network, the way. It, yeah. The way it works is they come back to them and say, all right, when do you want the game to be? And we'll be there to broadcast it. Um, so, I mean, I think that if you can do that more with your non-conference games, games where you have some leeway on what time it is, it gets more students to the game. It just builds a little bit more energy for the game build up. So I think that that's good instead of playing in the middle of the day, which might be helpful to some people that live far away. But, I mean, are those people even coming anyway? Like. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think people are less likely to come to a noon game, but just I, I, I don't want to hear people complain about the lines. Like the lines aren't bad if you're willing to come in before ten minutes before kickoff. And if you've been somewhere else where the lines aren't bad ten minutes before kickoff, it's because everyone else is already inside, um, and they can't go any cheaper on tickets. So there is some fan responsibility here. I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time as always. If you are someone who found the podcast through the website. Um, feel free to give us a, a review. You can go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, whatever app you use, uh, wherever you can go to to give us a, a rating or review. It always helps the folks to find us. If somebody who found the podcast, haven't found the site yet, give us a look at CavsCorner.com. Lots of stuff. Ferber writes a lot of words. He would like you to read them. I would like you to subscribe because, you know, I got a daughter who would like to go to college someday. Um, but again, I want to thank Dave and Ferber for being on the show. And thank everybody out there for continuing to support us. And what is this, like 276? I, at some point, where I'm going to stop talking about how many episodes there are. But as we get closer to 300, I can't, I can't not notice it. And it just kind of still blows my mind. But again, uh, for David Spence, Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.